I made right, that commitment. Right. I wasn't sure if it was the you're, right thing to be. You're Neil Armstrong. You're out there by yourself. Uh, swinging a golf club on the moon, man. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Account Management, a tactical guide to success. You got Fred Fuller here. And on the other side of the table, my compadre, Mr. John Brown. John. How are you, sir? It's a new appellation every week. You Now it's compadre. You, you mix it up. I like that. Well, we did the time change last night. Oh, yeah, that's right. So now we're Spanish speaking yeah. <laughs> time somehow. Yeah, I, I, but right. OK, th- let's save that for some other discussion because now I'm confused. But that's OK. <laughs> I didn't mean to blow your mind, man. You all right? Uh, we're already off to a rough start, but let's let's soldier on and see where this goes. Let's go. Uh, what are we What are we talking about today, John? We're going to talk about um, getting or how to say yes, right? Yeah, getting to yes uh, is the discussion for today. And so there's kind of um, there's two main components to that. There's um, uh, getting to yes. There's actually a really uh, famous book with that title. Um, that in the negotiation sense, in other words, how do you you and a client negotiate somewhere? But what we're going to talk today um, ahead of that is really more about, uh, and really this should be the title of the podcast, would be how do you know when you can say yes or what things should you say yes to? So in other words, how much negotiation power do I have within my company? So a very common problem for account managers is you know, particularly if you're new, uh, either new to account management or new to the client or it's a new role for you, you're in front of the client, they ask for X, am I empowered as an account manager to say yes to that? It's a difficult question because, um, you know, nobody writes that down for the account managers. Like, here's all the things you can say yes to. Like, where, where's that list? I've never seen it. Yeah, if you're doing, I mean, there's a world where you might have a, a checklist and if you check the five boxes, then you, yes. Right. It, yeah. That's, a, that's a teeny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's a teeny, teeny, tiny piece of the world. Right. So for the rest of the world, it's, it's a soft gray zone. Right. I mean, think about it. If you're an account manager and making some reasonable salary and they put a person, a human in their job, by definition, they want judgment about, this exact topic. And so there is no predefined list. And so sometimes newer account managers are kind of like, I I didn't know if I could say yes to that or not. And it's kind of like, I think what we're going to talk about here is let's have an approach to it when you're in that situation. So you at least have a a plan of action. You're not just kind of paralyzed in those situations, which again, when you're newer, does come up quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a really, you're, you're right. This doesn't get talked about very much. And this is not about, to your point, like there's a book of getting to yes. This isn't that. This is really more like recognizing yes. And then what do you do with it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what, when should I say yes? So. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we do that? Talk us through it. Well, uh, there's kind of two, um, there's two things that there's two approaches you need to take when your client asks you for something and you're not sure quite what to do. And it's actually uh, really simple. Uh, approach number one is make the commitment and live with the consequences, right? So take some risk. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And then the second is force the organization to make a clear decision. And that this actually is required work of the account managers. So we're going to talk about um, how to go about doing that. So those are the two main things. I tell you, it, it as as people grow in their career, everybody wants decision making power. 
right? Like I want to be able to make decisions that influence the organization. This is when, this is when you really make a contribution to the organization. And I think that that as a notion is very true. I think that once you get there and somebody looks at you the first time for a big decision and says, I don't know, you decide, you go, oh, like what? There's no, I need a safety net here. You want me to, and that's what that first one is about. Like you, as, as yeah. an account manager, you've got to make commitments and, and you're, you're going to be wrong sometimes. That's right. And so the point we're making here is sometimes as an account manager, you need to take the risk, right? If you're more senior uh, as an account manager, if you're more tenured in the role, uh, if your hierarchy is higher in the organization, you you probably have a better sense of what you can say yes to and what you have to say no to, right? So that's all true. And so therefore, you can take more risks, you know, having said that. But sometimes as an account manager, it's just the nature of it. You need to say yes. You need to say yes quickly. Um, you don't have a lot of time for decision making. And so um, you need to... to uh, you need to go ahead and take that risks and, and it can, and it can pay off. And, and you have a story about that, that I, I want you to tell, um, a little bit. And, um, you know, one of my favorite sayings is if, I, if I'm going to be shot, it's going to be from moving foxhole to foxhole. Right. So sometimes those kinds of risks can be a good thing. So what we're suggesting to you as an account manager, don't always be completely risk averse around this, this particular topic. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, John, because when we talk about these, all these topics and in, in the podcast, my frame is that I, I feel like I'm talking and directing, directing it to an account manager in this one. Uh, yes, that is what I'm doing. That is the way that I'm thinking about it. But there's also a big thing here for the people that run the account management team and for executives that are, that are dependent on quality account management. Yeah. Right. Like you need to understand that you need to empower people to make decisions. If you don't empower them to make decisions, you're not going to get the best caliber of person in there. And you also need to understand they're not going to be perfect. They're going to miss, they're going to strike out and you have to be willing to give them permission to do that, support them and live with it. Yeah. They're, they will, overcommit sometimes a really good account manager will accidentally overcommit sometimes. And as a business leader, you need to, uh, you need to recognize that, um, you know, one of the, I, I tell people all the time, I kind of select as a leader of account management, I kind of slightly prefer that first answer within reason and only slightly. So I want to be really careful about how I, how I say that in the sense, you know, and I like to say, I'd rather use the bridle than the spurs, right? So somebody who, an account manager leans forward a little bit with a client kind of can make a commitment, a good commitment. I kind of, I kind of like that now within reason, right? So like, if you commit to half of our normal pricing or (laughs) you commit to some enormous (laughs) expensive effort on our part and you didn't check in before that, uh, believe me, we're going to be having a conversation. That's not, not good. Right. So this, this one really does require judgment and we can't give you absolute guidance really. So what we're saying here in this podcast on number one is there are just know ahead of time. There are situations where that is required and that's part of the account manager gig is taking that risk. Yeah. Yeah. And let me, let me share my story about that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your story. Right. Okay. I was working with a software company and we had a client, a massive, massive client. And this massive, massive client wanted us to invest some time and, and let's just call it our, our technical infrastructure and, and 
you know, provide some updates. And so, uh, and, and they were very, there was a lot of passion around this. This wasn't an email of, Hey guys, did you think about, you know, can we update the thing? This was three guys rolled up in a van, <laughs> like, you know, kind of like you're, <laughs> you're going to go do this. And we all went, okay, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. You bet. Um, you know, we all ski got, masks on. And they, <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, chloroform anyway. Right, right. Uh, no, no, no. But, but, you know, there's that comical element of like, that's, yeah, that's sort of what happened was they came in right. and said, you guys, we, we we're going to go, you're going to go do this. Right. And we went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go do it. So we go into scramble mode. And as the account manager behind the scenes, I pulled everybody together and said, hold on, like everybody freeze for one second and let's talk about who's doing what and how we're going to go about it. Like, let's put some order to it. Let's proceed in a very productive and organized fashion. Everybody, yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. So we sit in the room for an hour and we talk about who's going to do what and the sequence of events and everything else. And I documented in like three rudimentary slides right? Just like three slides of here's what we're going to go do. I distribute that through our organization internally. Everybody says, yep, looks great. That's the plan. I said, okay, cool. I hit the forward button and send it to our client. Hey, Mr. Client, you told us to do it. We're on it. And here's how we're going to go do it. Let me know if you have any questions. I didn't really want to know if he had any questions, right? Like, I mean, I did, but really I wanted to make it very clear to him. We heard you and we are, you know, we're marching. And I copied the necessary people internally for our organization. And I think before it even got to the client, I had already had a reply from a, from a very senior member of the executive team that said, why did you share that level of detail with them? That was a mistake. <laughs> now I'm, I'm too. That makes you run. feel really good. Getting that feedback in an email. That's it, uh, yeah. good feelings. And, and I'm two or three rungs down on the ladder. Right. I'm not, you know what I mean? This isn't a peer of mine where I can go, right. Hey man, you know, yeah, like, shut up. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this stinks. Right. We're in trouble with the client. It wasn't my doing. I was actually (laughs) new to the account, (laughs) everything. Right. My heavens, what am I going to do here? And no sooner than that one landed, another one of the executives on copy replies in support of him. Yeah. Who like who okayed it or whatever he said. And I, I was packing my bag. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I was like, oh, okay, well, that was fun while it lasted. One, wonder if I can take these pens. <laughs> they, they'll never miss the post never miss notes. Them. <laughs> yeah, that's totally what it was, man. Golly. Right. And, uh, and then, and so I was on an island. Like I made right. that commitment. Right. I wasn't sure if it was the you're, right thing to be. You're Neil Armstrong. You're out there by yourself. Uh, swinging a golf club on the moon, man. Right. And, uh, and, and then, and then like five minutes later, the client replied and said, Hey, Fred, great plan. 100% behind it. I'm glad you got this thing. Give me a call. If you don't get the support you need from my side. Boom. Everybody did a 180. Fred, that was brilliant. I was like, I was just almost fired five minutes ago. You guys, yes, right? You were dirt five minutes ago, and now you're the hero. And when I say this is the executive team, like these are the people running the company. This is the Mm -hmm. upper strata of decision makers, and they didn't agree with me. But I, I went on a limb, and I was right, right. But you know, and and thankfully that built me equity for the next time if I wasn't right. Yeah. You know, you, you, but, but that's the risk you're going to have to take if you're going to be good and effective. And I will tell you that there were a few more interactions on that particular thing that, that create a step change in my career path, but yeah. there were risks. I took big risks to get there. Yeah. That was a risk, right? So you vetted it internally with maybe, you know, some of the working team, but you didn't vet it with some of the executives 
that maybe you could have because you're, you're moving fast. You're trying to get it done. Like you're trying to reply to the client that day you had the meeting or, you know, earlier and you took the risk and it's a great story because, uh, you know, as soon as the client replies, how brilliant you are, then all of a sudden, then you are brilliant. And then I assume all those same executives are like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Right. Well, it's, you know, what's funny is people are people, right? So, so there you get, you get a smattering of feedback. You get some people that will come back and go, Hey man, that was a good call. It was gutsy. I like it. You get other people like that are like, well, yeah, but now we still got to execute on it. <laughs> like, yeah, we do guys. You're right. We committed in that room an hour ago. Did you think we were going to call the, the, the client tomorrow? Yeah. And be like, Hey, we're just Josh and we we're just kidding. We're not going to execute on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's, but that's the life of an account manager and you got to be right. willing to embrace that. Yeah. So sometimes that is, that is life. Now let's talk about, let's talk about segue to point number two, when, yeah. to, when to not do that. Like, and mm. that is the, that is the judgment call and what you, you know, what you should do in that situation. And so, so anyway, we call this forcing the organization to make a clear decision. And we specifically term it that way because it, part of the role of the account manager is to actually force that decision within the organization. So let's say the client is asking for something. It's kind of large. It requires, it's multidisciplinary, requires a lot of work across the organization, or it's maybe something that impacts your economics in a big way, a big price cut or additional services, or, you know, who knows what it is. Like it's, you know, autom- you know, kind of intuitively, you probably need to check in with some people on this. That's fine. It's the safer, safer path, but it's more work, right? So you have you have the responsibility as account manager to organize the right meetings internally, get all the right people in the room, and basically be the project manager for this decision. So you are the and so I, sometimes we see with account managers they come back and they throw it on their boss's desk or throw it on somebody else's desk and say, "Hey, you know, go do this," or. Um, hey, what should we do about this? That's not the role as an account manager. You're a business person. You need to actually force the organization to make a clear cut decision. So what that means is, um, you know, you do things like set up all the right meetings. Like I said, you actually produce the materials for the meeting, the background material to brief whoever needs to be the decision maker so that they have all the facts so that they can make a good decision. That might be a business case, right? Depending on the size of the decision. So this might actually be some substantial work, you know, and so that business case could be like, what, you know, what do we get for this? Is it, is it more revenue? Is it better relationship? Is it retention? Um, just the fact that the client wants it is not, you know, usually enough, right? You need to be able to uh, to justify it. Also, as part of the decision, you, know, you have to think about um, really the fundamental question, particularly if they're asking for something really large, uh, really difficult, you know, the question becomes, would you be willing to lose the client over it? And a good way to think about that is to say, would I re-sign this client if I had to do it all over again today? If the answer is yes, then you probably need to wait pretty heavily towards, you know, doing what the client wants. If you're thinking to yourself, well, this client already isn't profitable or the relationship isn't healthy or we're not a good fit for them or vice versa, you know, then when the big ass comes, that's when you may need to be a champion for the business decision that says, hey, we're not going to do this and put together a business case for that, right? Which is a really weird place for an account manager to be because your whole mission in life is to do what? Build trust, number two, grow the client, grow the right? Client, and so, right. so yeah. you know, yeah. you, you sometimes will get in a position where a client will ask for something huge. You may need to be willing to say, hey, I'm actually gonna advocate that we don't do this for the client and take the risk of, uh, of losing them. And that's a that's a bold thing for an account manager to do, and it's a big uh, kind of bold decision. But sometimes it may go that way. Generally not, but sometimes. 
Well, it, there's a scenario there, too, of recognizing that they're asking for something that you really can't deliver on. Right. Right. Like you got people going, no, we can do it. I think we, we can make it. We can if we you know work every and everybody does the weekends. And and you're like, yeah, but guys, it, you know what I mean? Like right. we're trying to thread this needle here. And yes, you have to get aggressive and you got to get a little ahead of yourself in business sometimes. And you have to be a bit of a gambler. There's also times to your point where you put all those pieces together and go, this isn't going to happen. Like, right. Not, right? And, we, and we need to confront that reality. Yeah. And the fundamental point here is uh, regardless of which way that goes, you need to project manage the decision yeah. just like you would any project. So, um, you know, what you don't do is you come back, talk about it with a couple people in the hallway, uh, sort of forget about it and then never get back to the client like that, that, that kind of. Uh, that's not the right approach. Like you really need to approach it with some level of discipline and organize all the, all the right means to do it. And it's going to take more than one meeting a lot of times, particularly if it's a really big decision. So uh, that's, you know, again, when I said this, this path is it's safer, but it is actually work and it's way more work that, you know, or can be way more work. That's um, that's what we mean by that. And you know, if there, if these are decisions that, that have an economic element and many, if not all of them will, like, don't be scared to enlist people that within the organization that can help you with that. Right? You know, I, yeah, I got a story about that. Yeah, um, let's hear it. Yeah, so I, um, I was account manager for a very large client a few few jobs ago, and uh, we went into a contract negotiation process with the client uh, at their request. And it was a really large contract, so in the kind of hundreds of millions of dollars uh, range, and. Um, and, you know, and they were asking for a lot and it was a really is an enormously complicated agreement. The an original agreement was in a binder about three inches thick, Ugh. if you can imagine. Yeah, yeah no, I can't a, imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was it was tough. And so, um, you know, my approach for that was definitely number two. Right. Like, so I'm not going to just go, ah, I got this. I got this. I'll I'll uh, I'm going to I'm going to cowboy this up. I'll I'll give them what they need. Like now. So obviously approach number two is the appropriate approach for that kind of thing. But I'm marshaled a team. The, the thing that made me and I was relatively young. Um, the thing that made me confident in doing it is I marshaled a team to help me help me do it. I, I know enough about negotiations to be dangerous. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I'd never really done something that complex and that big. But what I did is I assembled um, our our lawyer, an outside counsel, um, someone from finance, um, our internal product team, and uh, in my boss, who's a pretty good negotiator. Um, and we all kind of got together and I organized strategy sessions to talk about, okay, well, how are we going to approach this negotiation? What's our goal? What's our BATNA? Um, all those kinds of technical negotiation things. And so when I pulled by pulling that team together, I felt a lot more confident because I could bounce ideas off them that I had about how to approach it, vice versa. You know, so I was the node, but I didn't have to have all the answers, right? And that was... Um, that was definitely kind of number two in this example on steroids, but it worked out really, really well. And I was pleased with the results and even have kind of some lifelong friendships from uh, from that little team that we put together. Yeah. I mean, well-run companies are full of experts, right? right. Hey, grab the experts, man. I, I right. sat in a corporate finance chair for the first 12 years of my career, right? And doing a lot of uh, forecasting, planning and analysis work. So a lot of modeling, right? A lot of business mm -hmm. cases and business modeling and, and, you know, the ROIs and, all, you know, all that good stuff. And, um, in, and so, you know, I, I can hit these type of things with that frame. If, if I didn't spend 12 years in corporate finance, I wouldn't have that same frame on it. 
And I would be very, very dependent on somebody that did. Right. And so, yeah. so that's good for me to recognize because it helps me also understand, like, I don't have any legal experience. I want a right. lawyer that's going to be able to dive into what that thing is. I need a technical person to tell me why it is that we need this versus that. Yeah. Like I, I'm bringing in the experts and, and everybody will appreciate that. People enjoy being involved. They appreciate being like, there's a whole bunch of goodness there. Right. And the client will appreciate it as well. So that's a really good point. You and you, and in that instance, you are the project manager. Yeah. I was the project manager, right? Like I, I wasn't, I, I didn't negotiate every single part of the agreement, right? So a lot of the legal stuff, for example, like I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, right? So they had to negotiate with the lawyers from the, from the client, right? So now some of the business parts of it, sure, I was, was more uh, leading that, but I didn't negotiate every part of this agreement. We got all those right people in the room and you don't, you don't, as an account manager, you don't have to know everything to be a great negotiator. Yeah. You just need need to know who to go to. Yeah. That's that's absolutely. So that's great, man. That's interesting. So getting to, or not getting to, but uh, recognizing, embracing. Yes. Like how to cross that threshold. Right. Yeah. Like the approach to yes. Um, uh, I'm going to also suggest we're going to do a deeper uh, podcast on negotiations. This this one that we talked about today um, was really chapter five from our book. We're kind of marching through the book. So we're sort of midway through the different topics that we're talking about. I did want to um, mention for our listeners, I'm going to give uh, our listeners a little bit of a homework assignment. We're going to talk about negotiations later. One thing that's imperative for all account managers, you don't have to be an absolute um, expert negotiator to be a great account manager. You do need to know something about it, though. Right. You need to understand mm. some of the basics and you need to understand some of the terminology and you need to understand kind of some of the basic psychology um, and and getting a little bit of an intellectual foundation of that is actually really important as an account manager. So there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Um, uh, there are classes out there that uh, that are really good that. Um, that and if you have an opportunity to take one around negotiations, I would highly recommend that because then you can do role playing, which is really important. If you want to just brush up on some of the basics of it um, before we get to our podcast where we dive into negotiations deeply, I'm going to recommend three books that are the, in my mind, the uh, most foundational around negotiations. And the first one is uh, called, funny enough, Getting to Yes uh, by Roger and, and Yuri. And that's kind of the classic negotiations book. Um, written by, um, and they have a whole kind of negotiations practice in Harvard. Um, the other one's called Negotiating Rationally uh, by uh, Margaret Neal and Max Bazerman. I enjoy that book. It's a, It's got more intellectual kind of frameworks around negotiation, so that's good. Uh, my personal, personal favorite is a book called Bargaining for Advantage by Richard Schell, um, also an MBA school uh, professor. Um, and the, you know, if you read at least one of those three books, you'll know enough to be able to have a conversation with an executive and you can say things like, um, I'm going to BAFO on this and they'll know what you're talking about and you'll kind of look like a little bit of an expert. Yeah. BAFO, BAFO meaning best and final offer. I thank you, John. I know that. I know you know that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Um, I will. T- I've taken one of those classes. You know, it's one of the first mm-hmm. things I asked you. Actually, we started working together, mm-hmm. uh, and you and you hate this, but I'm going to do it. Um, you you got your MBA at Wharton, which to me is always it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing. Like uh-huh. like well, you know, like take all that stuff out of it. it's a pretty cool thing. I I think it is. I mean, when you go to one of the most elite schools in the world, like that's something to be proud of. 
and it's an achievement. And so when I asked you, like, what was your, like, what was the coolest thing, your favorite thing? What class did you like the most or something like that? And you came back and said your negotiations class. Negotiations. Yeah. And why, why is that? Uh, it's just so much fun, I think, is the, yeah. uh, but, you know, learning that there, it is a technical discipline, just like um, understanding how to calculate a net present value if you're in finance or figuring right. out a customer acquisition cost if you're in marketing or, you know, like a technical skill, like it, it is a technical skill and most people learn it kind of halfway, most account managers learn it halfway kind of backwards by just sort of having to being forced to do it. And there's no kind of discipline around it. Like that's, that's not as good. It's, it's much better if you can actually read some books, go to some classes, take a course and really get an underpinning for, you know, how it works. Yeah. It's um, I put it up there with, it's, it's a little bit parallel to public speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can, you can read about it and there's definitely technical elements to it. Right. And I'm, I'm 100% in support of what you're saying. Absolutely. Then yeah. once you get that, you, you got to do it. Then you, you got to practice, right? Practice. You got to do it. And the reason for it is because you need that foundation, but that foundation is always going to get pressed and stressed and squeezed because every negotiation is different. Right. right. And you're always on your feet. You're always on your feet in a negotiation. I love it too. I absolutely love it. But okay. So, um, so I think that covers us for today. We're going to do a big negotiation in the future, big negotiation podcast in the future. But for right now, what time is it, John? It's time for the, to unzip the listener mailbag. <laughs> my, my favorite part of the show, man. I, this, this just validates that deep down I'm, I don't know, six years old and amused by sound effects. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. That's pretty um, accurate. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, we have, uh, we have two, uh, letters, uh, from the deep archives of the mailbag yeah. that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, the first one's from Bridget and she wants to say, thank you for putting together, um, the podcast and, um, went in search of some material recently to help her hone her skills. And, uh, she says it's awesome and, and enjoying the book and, uh, enjoying the guidance. I uh, found a lot of information out there is, uh, about customer success. Uh, it now seems to be a hot career. So this is timely as well. So anyway, we just want to acknowledge, it's not really a question, but we want to acknowledge the email from Bridget and say, thank you for writing in and please tell your friends about us and, um, your friends in account management and keep going. And then, uh, the second email is a really good question. Um, it's, uh, somebody says the current situation might be an interesting topic recently. And this is from Anthony. Um, Anthony says recently started working for a distributor, uh, which is small in terms of team, but huge, uh, in sales and number of accounts. They sell many brands, uh, in the industry. And one of them is over 90% of their revenue. And, but unfortunately the, the, the account rep for the, um, you know, manufacturer is, uh, takes up a hundred percent of their time. So that's, that's the problem. So this person is uh, causing significant friction internally and externally, not allowing them to dedicate time to develop relationships with their end client accounts. So this is, um, it, so in a, actually it's funny enough, I, um, early in my career, I actually had the role where I was a, a manufacturer's rep working with the distributors. So I was actually in the role of the guy who's a uh, person who's causing all the friction in this particular case. So the, as I understand it, the issue is that 
Um, Anthony works at a distributor. They have obviously clients and customers, but they've got one main supplier who is um, accounts for a lot of their revenue. And unfortunately, that person is taking up too much of their time and being too difficult to work with. So, so what do you do? So that's the question, which I think is a really great question. I think it's an outstanding question. Um, the, I, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is I would want to understand how this distribution partner, that's what I'll call this person, right? I would want to understand more detail around how this person is creating chaos for the for the team, for the CEO, and then even more importantly, how they're interacting with your end client, Yeah. right? So to, to know that there's an element of chaos, okay, I get it. it, but in order to address that, I need to know what's driving the chaos. That's that's where that's my frame on this. So, for example, I'll just take I'll pick one piece of this, and then John, I know you have a few other points to hit. Yeah, but but the the quick piece that comes to mind for me is the CEO element. If he is going to the CEO and he thinks that you could distribute more to your partner and there is money being left on the table, like that's a conversation of, okay, is that true? Is it accurate? Let's evaluate it. Let's figure out the truth. Let's figure out a way to come up with an answer or solution and a path forward. Then we can close that off and he gets out of the CEO's hair, right? If if that question is on the table and it's not being answered properly, then he's going to stay in your hair. Right. Like he's not going to go away because somebody above him is saying, go get more money out of these guys. They're sitting on their hands, whether that's true or not. So and I'm not saying that is the scenario. I'm saying that's one of 10,000 possible scenarios that we're talking about. And until I know that detail, I, I, I am not fully prepared to respond to how it is that you would address that that particular individual in this scenario. Now, John, you come at it from probably a few additional angles. Yeah, I, um, no, I think that's right on. I would want to understand better that uh, part of it because you're what you're essentially saying is consider the possibility that they may be right, right? What what Correct. is that? Yeah, what is that? You know, is that possible now? However, if that manufacturer is already ninety percent of your business, you sort of have to question like how much more do they think they're going to grow, right? So the whole for a manufacturer's rep there that deals with distributors, the whole name of their it's a little bit different sales uh, role than an ordinary sales role because, um, you know, on some level, they're your account manager and their whole job is to increase mind share with you. They want you doing nothing but thinking about them all day long. So this, that's like literally their role. So this person has taken it to an extreme that's very difficult to manage. So you don't, you don't want that. I'd like to think when I had that role, I wasn't that way, or at least I hope I wasn't. Um, I like to think I'm a nice person. You're a peach. <laughs> Goodness. Is I was a fishing for a compliment. I need to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very vulnerable today. I needed you to need a compliment. Um, so, uh, so here's my my thoughts on this. First of all, realize that that uh, just you know manufacturers rep is not the client. Is not your client. That's not your source of revenue. So realize that as number one. Um, the other thing I would suggest as a tactical thing is to try to get that person to commit to an, a weekly one on one. Um, where they can bring all their concerns and and you can time box them into not talking to all of your clients and not talking to your boss, the CEO, 
and talking to a whole bunch of people, but, you know, kind of, and you can maybe start by saying, Hey, the CEO and I will be in this one-on-one. And then after a while, if you do it long enough and they get to a place where they start just bringing all their concerns to that particular meeting, then maybe the CEO can peel off and you can have a little bit more of a normal relationship, but, but treat them a little bit like a client and say, okay, but can we just time box our interactions to you to a regular one-on-one? We're going to have it three o'clock every Thursday. Here's where it's going to be. And we can go through all the items that come up that week. Right. So that would be a kind of a tactical suggestion. The other, um, the other suggestion I would have is I, I didn't quite, I wasn't quite sure from this email, but if the person is a bully, uh, and we're going to do a podcast later on, on bullies and how to deal with them. But if they are a bully, you realize you are not going to change them. And so you're going to need, need to be very firm, whether that's that one-on-one or somehow kind of boxing them in to say, look, I, you can't call our clients anymore. Those are our clients, not your clients. We're your client. So that's the relationship we need to have. Like you, you're going to have to be kind of firm with a person like that. I don't know if this is actually a bullying situation, but if it is, um, uh, that's that's going to be um, that's going to be important. And then finally, our other suggestion is you may want to consider um, it can be exhaust when you're in these relationships that have that component to it, and they're super exhausting. What I've done in the past as a leader is kind of rotate people around. So like you'll have one account manager deal with them for a year, and then rotate it around to somebody else just to try to kind of spread the misery around um, a little bit. You know, you may not be able to control that as the account manager in this situation, but that'd be the other tactical suggestion. But I go back to what you started with Fred, which is try to, if you can do that one-on-one and get deep with them and get them talking, try to understand their underlying motivations because there's probably some unmet need that you haven't discovered yet. And if you can figure out what that is, then you might be able to calm the situation down, but there's probably something underlying because you don't like interacting with the person. They're already a pain. You want to interact less, not more. Whereas what we're trying to suggest here is try to go the other way for a while, get, deeper, interact more until you can figure out where the splinter is. That is a wonderful point. That is an incredible point. Absolutely. Because that is, that is the human tendency, right? Like, yeah, I, don't yeah. like I, I, don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. Right. Yeah. And, and what, you know, a homework project, right. Procrastination of any kind, whatever. That's right. I don't want to go deal with that. And the answer is exactly the opposite. To do the opposite until no. you dig out what the, what the underlying problem pull is. Pull them in, yeah. pull them in close and tight without a doubt. Um, there, there's a couple other thoughts too, or extensions on, um, on, on the bully thing, you know, depending this person, this distributor is 90% of what you're, what you're doing here. Um, like, are there other players in the market? I know that's a simplistic view on life because these things are really complex in terms of how you, you know, come yeah. up with distrib- distributors and so forth. But, but it's, you know, it, it may be a three-year plan or a five-year plan, but if there's somebody else that can provide that product at a similar service and rate and everything else, then you, you, you really want to start exploring that. And I yeah. promise you that if that starts to circle around in the industry and they catch wind that you're talking to somebody else, tones will change overnight, right? Yeah. You know, maybe there's an exclusivity agreement already in place or something, you know, that we don't know about. There might probably be some more complexity there. There's always more, but uh, yeah, yeah, but that's a great point also, right? Like a little bit of, um, particularly if they're a bully, a little bit of fear uh, can kind of calm things down. Now, I wouldn't do that to a partner that I liked and trusted, uh, that I wanted to work with. You know, I wouldn't do those kinds of silly things necessarily in those situations, but but with somebody who's uh, a, a pain, I might... Yeah. Good point. And, and I'll come back to what I always say about these situations, John, which is like, this is, yeah, this is a great question. Thank you for sending it in, Anthony. And for account managers, client managers, relationship managers, I'm going to look at this scenario and say, this is where you make your money. 
this is where you make your money. I right. say it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The hard parts of relationship management. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People are, uh, you know, managing people is, uh, is tough. Um, all the, uh, jobs working with dogs and trees are taken, right? So it's up to us <laughs> to manage relationships and, uh, and that's what makes our job hard and fun. The, those are closing words, John. Oh, we'll, we'll cut this part out. What, uh, right, no, just do the close. Do you want to do the close? Okay, or you want me yeah, do no, leave it. In. That's it. We're out. Client account management, a tactical guide to success. We'll be here all week. Tip your all right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Learn more about the art and science of account management. Pick up a copy of A Dragon Walks Into a Meeting, a tactical guide to client management. Digital and print editions available at Amazon or your favorite bookseller.